Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. So a few weeks ago, I was watching a movie called um, Patriot's Day. I'm sure the movie's been around, but I'm not a big TV person, so I finally got a chance to watch it. Um, and it's based on, uh, on the bombing attacks that happened um, in 2013 in Boston, during the Boston Marathon. And some of you may, uh, may be familiar with this. Um, but during that attack, over 260 people were injured. And... Um, three people lost their lives. One of them was a 29-year-old. Her name was Crystal Campbell. Uh, There was also a 23-year-old. Her name was Lingzi Liu. And an eight-year-old whose name was Martin Richard. And it was a difficult movie to watch because in 2013, I I was here in the US and fully remember watching it on the news but then to actually see the detailed um, stories of these people, you know, many of them just woke up a regular day, you know, going about their day. I mean, the Boston Marathon is a big event. People from all over the world um, come to the marathon. So it wasn't an ordinary day in Boston, but it was an ordinary day. It, the, the marathon has happened year over year over year and no issues. People get excited. People come out. And so this marathon was expected to be no different. But on this day, the unfortunate happened with the attack, and these people lost their lives. Other people also lost their lives, you know, uh, first responders and others. But during the attack specifically, these three lost their lives. And as I was done watching the movie, I, I started to reflect. It was in the night, and I couldn't sleep. But I just kept being bothered about what I'd seen. And I was asking myself, I'm like, God, you know, one could just wait. You could, we don't know tomorrow, like... This was a 29-year-old, a 23-year-old, an 8-year-old. I am 31, and I'm like, these people lost their lives before what we would typically consider their prime. Um, and it was just a normal day for them, maybe, a, maybe a, a milestone or maybe an exciting day for them, but it was just another day. And, you know, it started as a day and it didn't end as a day on earth. And that could be any of our stories. I know, you know, I don't want it to be a downer today because I really struggled with talking about death. <laughs> no one, we don't all like to talk about it and we don't want to, you know, sometimes going to funerals it can be a sad event. But I think God gives us different moments in our lives to pause. Um, we're always so busy. We're going, going, going. There's so much to do with work and family. Um, and sometimes we don't take time to just pause and reflect And for me, that night was a night to just pause. And I started to think to myself, I'm like, if I I die tomorrow, what are people going to say about me? Um, What would I have, what would I have lived for? What, you know, how would the people that are closest to me describe me? How would people that I work with describe me? Um, What would they say about me? Would I be happy with the life that I've lived? Would I feel like I've made God proud? No matter how short it is, I mean, this young boy, he was eight years old. He only lived eight years. Um, but 
even in eight years, eight years is enough for people. To, I'm sure his, his classmates can say things about him. Um, his neighbors can say things about him. And many of us, you know, we've, we're not eight, we're not nine. Many of us have lived many years and you've interacted with people in different walks of life. What would people say about you if tomorrow was your last day? If today was your last day, what would people say about you? Um, and, and so that's sort of what led me to start to just... Uh, I started reading more um, in the book of Colossians, and God opened my eyes to just start to think about my life in view of eternity, right? So how are you living your life in view of eternity? Meaning, how are you living your life not just thinking about now, not just thinking about the world, not just thinking about your future here on earth, but when you're gone, when you're only just a memory. What, what is that type of life that you want? Um, what would you want people to say about you? Amen. Um, and so our, our, uh, our Bible a text for today was Second Corinthians, or E Second Corinthians 5, 1 to 21. But the main verse that we're going to talk about is verse 14. It was beautifully read um, by our sister Arlene. Um, it says, either way, Christ, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Amen. Just a short word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity to be your vessel and to bring your word. Um, I thank you because your word says that every scripture is breathed, is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and is useful for instructing and is useful for correction, is useful for rebuking um, so that all of us may be cubed, thoroughly cubed for good works. I pray that every word that will come today will be useful for everyone here. For those who need to be taught, I pray that this word will teach them. For those who need to be rebuked, I pray that this word will rebuke them. For those who need to be corrected, I pray that it will correct them. For those who need to be instructed, I pray that it will instruct them. God, that all of us, regardless of where we are, in light of the word that is coming today, that all of us will be thoroughly cubed. We will move to the next level in being thoroughly cubed for good works in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, so in that verse, it says, either way, Christ's love controls us. That's what it starts with. And I would like us to just spend a few minutes to talk about Christ's love. Um, the youth sang one of our favorite songs in Agape now, Reckless Love. I think we've been, that's like our, we always have like those seasons when we sing one song and we sing it over and over and over again. Reckless love is in season right now. Um, and that's, that song really describes how God's love is. It's the kind of love that we just cannot explain. Um, and I don't think that we will fully be able to explain it, but um, as, we, as we walk with God, I feel like God just teaches, more, reveals more of his love to us. He helps us to understand it more. It's, it's very hard to understand that type of unconditional love. And don't just take my word for it. In, in, uh, Paul says in Ephesians 3, 18 to 19, um, he was praying for the Ephesians here, and he says that, I mean, you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. 
May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all fullness of life and power that comes from God. And Paul was saying here, he understood that God's love is really, it's hard to explain. Um, You think about it, we didn't do anything to earn God's love. You cannot do anything to earn God's love. You cannot do anything to earn God's love. Um, He demonstrated his love to us by making that ultimate sacrifice of giving his son. And even today, as we live our lives, that gift of Christ is a gift that keeps on giving. Every time, every time it keeps on giving. Even when we, even when we fail him, we can always come back. It's, it wasn't a one-time gift. It's a gift that we, it's like having a free pass for life. Um, in Romans 8.38, it says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor future, nor any powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Even if they tried, even if we tried, powers, rulers. If you think about it, even, even God has given you, even you a pass so that your sin doesn't separate you from him. That if you come to him and you say, God, I'm sorry, your sin can't, can't step in the way of God's love for you. As long as you say, God, I'm sorry, I want to I was, I wanna put my sin behind me, you have a pass to his love. Um, and as I, as I started reflecting, and I'm like, God's love is unconditional. Um, God's love... God's love is, is the type of love that... God's love is that type of love where you, you think to yourself and you say, oh, I don't deserve this, right? I don't deserve this. I can't earn it. Um, and the ultimate measure of God's love, like I said earlier, is the sacrifice, sacrifice of his son on the cross. In Romans 5, it says, it is difficult, it's a difficult thing for someone to die for a righteous person. It may even be that someone might dare to die for a good person. But God has shown us how much he loves us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In 1 John 3.16, it says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. So what does Christ's love give to us? This amazing love. You know, I was reading, I, I have a, a little daughter, she's four months old, um, and I was reading a book that was given to me by, by one of the sisters in church about parenting. And in the book, it's, it started off in the book saying, um, whether you like it or not, and it sometimes it's hard for parents to, um, to process this, but every child is essentially a sinner because they haven't given their life to Christ, right? We're all born sinners. And so you look at a baby, a baby's innocent. I'm like, my, my daughter hasn't done anything wrong, my cute girl. <laughs> but she's not a believer. She has not given her life to Jesus. She is really, we're all born sinners. Um, and we all have a tendency to sin because we're in our flesh. So even a child who's not, who's not really engaged in any, I guess, 
um, seen as you quote unquote would, uh, would imagine it as a grown up, is still fallen. She's, she's still, you know, in flesh and she hasn't really surrendered her life to Jesus. Um, and so we know that by one man we all sinned in Adam, right? So we all imagine ourselves as being seeds that were inside of Adam when, they, when, he, um, when he fell in sin, he and Eve. And we know that God redeemed us by putting all of us in Jesus, right? So we're all seeds in Jesus Christ, and we've been redeemed that way. And that's, that's how amazing God's love is, that even when he started off creating us, thinking, I, you know, I want, this, this, I want mankind, first he created us in his image. He could have picked any other type of image, but he created us in his own image, and then he put us in the garden to worship him, and, and um, we betrayed his trust. Uh, we fell short of his glory. He didn't take that against us and say, hey, okay, that's it. Scrap that plan. Just, let's just put it aside. He came up with a plan to redeem us. That's amazing love. That's amazing love. Um, and I just pray, I pray today that God will open your eyes um, and help you understand his love. I, 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 there's no, there are not enough, there are not enough words for me to explain it. But I think that as we walk in our, uh, as we grow in our faith, we should always pray that prayer. God, help me to understand your love, because it's a spectrum in our understanding. You may be, so, you, everybody's at different points, but there's deeper. There's, there's, a, there's always a deeper way for you to understand God's love, and that should be our prayer. God, help me to understand your love more. What does Christ's love give us? Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice to reconcile us to himself. Um, and what that love, that sacrifice has given to us is redemption. Um, we, we, in Colossians 1, 14, it says that we have forgiveness of sins. He forgave, he forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. In Romans 5.19, for as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by obedience of one shall many be made righteous. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the disobedience of one um, many shall be made righteous. So we know that Christ has, he came up with a plan for our redemption, which was giving um, Jesus Christ um, as a sacrifice for us. Christ's love also gives us kingdom citizenship. In Colossians 1 verse 13, it says, His sacrifice has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of light. Because we're now in the kingdom of light, we can live by the rules of the kingdom of light, by the help of the Holy Spirit. And we can also be partakers of the blessings of the kingdom um, of light. And we've been, you know, we, we pastor had gone through the kingdom series. The reason why we can, we can even, uh, the reason why we are able to say to ourselves that we want to live like citizens of the kingdom is because Christ paid that price for us, right? We're allowed to, to say these are the rules that I live by. Unbelievers can't live by the rules of the kingdom. That's, they, they're not citizens of the kingdom, Right? Well, when we believe Christ, when we give our lives, when we surrender our lives to Jesus and we um, 
accept that gift that he has given us through his sacrifice, then we can live by the rules of the kingdom. And when we live by the rules of the kingdom, we can also be partakers of the blessings of the kingdom. Um, Christ's love reconciles us with God. Um, Colossians 1 verse 22 says, God, puts, God put all of the fullness of the deity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, um, all of its supremacy was put, God put all of the fullness of the deity um, so that we can partake of all the benefits of being with the deity. He's head over every power and authority. And so we get access to God's lordship. We get access to God's lordship because we're now with him in Christ Jesus. We can exercise the power and authority of the kingdom of God. Finally, I have here that that sacrifice that God, um, that Christ gave on the cross of Calvary allows us direct access to God. Um, we don't have to go through anybody to get to Jesus. Every one of us can call on God anytime, anywhere. Um, his sacrifice qualifies us to come before God without blemish, free from accusation. We can come before God um, and appear holy Every time we come to God, he sees Jesus. We're in Jesus, right? He doesn't see us. We come right behind Christ, inside of Christ, and he sees Jesus, and Jesus is his beloved. So we know every time you're coming into God's presence, he loves you just the way he loves Jesus. He adores you. He's proud of you. Um, I mean, I think just that thought should make us joyful. Just that thought should make us um, proud to be called children of God. We cannot earn God's love. Um, you know, we have kingdom citizenship. We have this redemption. We have reconciliation with God. And we have access to God, not because of our works. So, you know, I was having a conversation with my husband um, a few weeks ago, and we're talking about, uh, we're talking about praying and um, how sometimes I'm going to confess. <laughs> so then when I'm praying, I fall asleep. And <laughs> I don't know if anybody else struggles with this. I, 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 uh, I love sleep, number one. So put that aside. But then on top of that, sometimes when we're, I'm praying, I, sometimes I fall asleep. And my, you know, when I pray, my husband, he frustrates him because he's like, <laughs> why? Like, seriously, you should be able to control yourself. And God is helping me <laughs> in that area. But, um, when I, so when I catch myself and I wake up and I'm like, oh, let's continue praying here, I usually feel so guilty. Oh, my God. I'm like, I feel so guilty. I'm like struggling with guilt the whole time. Um, and I don't know what we're talking about that day, but we, we, we were talking and he, say, he said to me, you know, God does not love you less because you slept while you were praying, right? I was like, and for me, I was like, hmm, okay. It's funny because in my guilt, I think I struggled with the fact that maybe somehow I'm losing out on God's love because I'm falling asleep while I'm praying. Um, but, you know, just going through this lesson, it just reminded me again, you cannot earn God's love. Even if I prayed 100 hours, like all 24 hours, right, every day, um, that doesn't make God love me more. It doesn't make God love me more. If I pray one minute... It doesn't make God love me less. So the kind of love that God has for us, it, it's, it's already just infinite. There's nothing that you're going to do 
that will make it more. There's nothing that you're going to do that will make it less. And I said to him, we were talking about this, and I said, okay, so then what's the whole point of, if God is not going to love me less, then why am I, why do I have to pray? Then why do we have to go to Bible study? Then why do we have to fast? And then why do we have to pray? Why do we have to help the poor? If all of these things don't make God love us more. And as we were discussing, he said, it's, you, that's what you do in response to God's love. You're, you're, we do these things because when you, when you get a glimpse of how much God loves you, you just want to chase after him. You, wanna, you just want to love on him. You want to give your all to him. If, if we don't do those things to make God love us. He already does. He already does. And so all of these things that we do, um, you know, living for Christ, it's living in response to God's love. When you look at that verse again that we started with, in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14, says, either way, Christ's love controls us. Um, Christ's love compels us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have died to our old life. Christ's love compels us. What does it mean for something to compel us? It's something, it means for something to drive us, to motivate us, um, to spur in us a desire um, and it says that instead we would live for Christ who died and was raised for us. So Christ's love um, should compel us to live for him. We should live our life for God in response to his unconditional love. In Romans 8, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. I like Romans 12.1 as well. I think it captures this even better. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. In view of God's mercy, in view of what God has done, in view of his sacrifice, in view of his love, love that we don't deserve, right? In view of this, we should offer our bodies. And it says, as a living sacrifice. You know, in the Old Testament, we'll see um, many examples of sacrifices being made to God, but these are dead sacrifices. You know, animals that have been killed and they're put, you know, and they're burnt God is not asking us to serve him in our death. God is not asking us to give this sacrifice in death. He wants us to give it as we live for him. Um, and so the living sacrifice is serving God in life rather than in death, giving up our lives for Jesus. Living for God is to live a life that points others towards Christ. It's not about... Um, following a set of rules, because I think once we give our lives to Je- once we give our lives to Jesus, he, we have that gift of the Holy Spirit inside of us. And so, even though our flesh, because we're born in this and we still have this flesh, um, our flesh has a tendency towards sin. But the Holy Spirit inside of us helps us to, to daily die to our flesh um, and to live a life um, that pleases Christ. It involves adjusting our attitudes, our values, our priorities. 
It involves thinking through our lives and our decisions in view of eternity, in view of being Christ's ambassadors. Living a life for Christ is about submitting to God's will. It's about saying, not my will, O God, but your will be done in my life. Um, and as I was preparing this message, I heard a song that I've, I've, I used to hear a lot on radio back um, you know, a few years ago. I don't hear it as much on radio anymore, but it's an old song. Um, it's titled Leave Like That by Sidewalk Prophets. And that song, in that song, there, it goes through a few questions that every believer should ask themselves. It says, what will people say of me when I'm only just a memory? Was I love when no one else would show up? Was I Jesus to those who need it the most? Am I proof that Jesus is who he says he is? Am I proof that grace can really change a heart or life? When people see me, do they see Christ? Do I show the, 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 do I show the world the love Christ gave to me? And those are questions that we should be asking ourselves um, when we have those pause moments, when you're, it's time to just stop and just think and reflect on your life and say, am I really living a life um, that points people around me towards Christ? Romans 12 and Colossians 3, um, and when you go home, you can take some time to read um, these two chapters. They really describe some attitudes and values that should, exemplif should be exemplified in the life of every believer. I love the Bible because sometimes, you know, it's a start of saying something that seems very vague, like living for Christ. Um, but there also, it gives examples of what it means like to live for Christ. What kinds of, what kinds of um, behavior um, and what's the attitude that is expected of us, of someone who is living for Christ. And Romans 12 and Colossians 3, um, you know, Paul really captures what some of these um, traits, some of these behaviors that will be expected of us um, are. And before I just go through them, I mean, I think we, the, the key is, again, not about living by a set of rules. I think when we think of a Christ, um, Christ won us over with love. And that's how we win others over, with love. If you do everything out of love, if we really allow love to be our motivation, um, we, would, we would live lives that point towards Christ. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be a list of, it doesn't have to be a checklist um, if we operate from a place of love. Um, in Colossians 3, uh, it talks about having a renewed mind a mind that is set on things above, not on earthly things. Are your priorities just always about things on earth? Or do you have priorities that um, really focus on heavenly things? Are you dying daily to sexual immorality, to impurity, to lust, to evil desires and greed? It talks about reading yourself of anger. Some of us may be dealing with anger issues, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, lying. It talks about seeing all people as children of God, treating all people fairly and with love. No discrimination, no bias. There's no Gentile or Jew, no circumcised or uncircumcised, 
no barbarian, no slave or free. And as I read that, that verse, it really made me ask myself, are your friends only people who look like you? Are your friends only people who talk like you? Because if we are really believers, if we are children of God, right, we should see all people, all people the same. Um, and sometimes we're really, we don't want to get out of our comfort zone to make friends with people who don't look like us. So if you really check yourself, are you making an effort um, to, to build bridges, to shine that light that God has put inside of you to people that are outside of your comfort zone? Um, do you consider family only people that are your blood relations and your relatives, like, this is just my family, you know, or only agape people are my family? Because that's not the way God sees us. God sees all people the same. God loves all people, regardless of our color, our creed, our, uh, um, our language, regardless of the, the divides that we as human beings have put in place. God sees us all the same. And if we are truly living for Christ, we should see all people the same. We should be willing to step out of our comfort zone um, and to see all people as children of God. It involves being compassionate, being kind, being humble, being gentle, being peaceful. Living for Christ involves forgiving one another just as the Lord forgave you. Um, I don't know if there are people who here who are struggling with forgiving. Forgiving is hard when you're working in the flesh. But if you choose to live for Christ from a place of love, if you're working by the help of the Holy Spirit, you can truly forgive. If you're trying to do it in your flesh, it's hard. It's hard. Um, and as children of God who um, have determined to live for Christ, we, we have to forgive. We have to think about the way God forgave us and not hold grudges and not hold bitterness towards others. It involves being thankful, being thankful in all things, giving thanks, um, not being the one that is always complaining or um, just, you know, life is always hard. Like, it, it involves putting on that lens of gratitude. Try to see things from a place of, try to see the cup half full. Like, don't always be the one that sees the cup half empty. Um, in the, when people are in the room complaining, be the one that chooses to see things from a different perspective. It involves doing whatever you do in word or in deed in the name of Jesus. Giving thanks to God. Um, he says whatever you do in word or in deed in the name of Jesus and um, in Colossians 3 I like the way it, it, it then it switches after talking about all this um, you know these behaviors that we should have as, as children of God we have determined to live for him it talks about Christian households and I thought this was interesting because it then takes time to just remind us that even in our just in our lives, we are already ministers um, by virtue of the life that we live. So when I say that, meaning you don't have to be a minister in church to be a minister. There's already someone in your life that God has called you to minister to. It starts out talking about being a wife, um, about the marriage relationship, right? Wife and husband. And it made me think of the question, is your life pointing your spouse towards Christ through submission and love? 
you're already a minister to your husband, you're a minister to your wife. And in God's word, he says that, you know, he asks the wives to submit and the husbands to love. You already have your, your ministry right there. If you even say, I'm struggling to, to preach God's word to someone else out there, you already have a starting point. Would your spouse um, be able to testify that your life continually points them towards Christ? That your life is motivating them to want to know God more? Um, if not, maybe that's a, that's a good starting place uh, for us. It talks about being a child and it, you know, it encourages children to be obedient to their parents. Um, and I thought about it. All of us are children. You were born of someone, right? And, you, and many of us have children as well. Is your life pointing your parents towards Christ through your obedience? Would your parents be able to testify um, that just observing my child and how she serves God or how he serves God has made me want to love God more, has made me want to you know, chase after God, has made me, um, for maybe parents are even unbelievers, maybe your life has, is your life encouraging them to want to seek God, to want to know God? It talks about parenting. Um, and you know, it, talks, it, where it talks about the fathers not provoke your children. And it really just reminds us that even parenting is a ministry. It's God's call on your life to lead a child to Christ. A child that was born into sin, is gonna, they're going to look at your lives and really, um, is your life going to lead them to Christ? It's not about dropping them at Sunday school. Whereas we have an amazing Potter's House ministry. <laughs> but it's not that, 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 it's your ministry first before it's their ministry. Um, to lead your children to Christ? Are you demonstrating patience? Are you demonstrating endurance? Are you demonstrating dependence on God as you parent your children? Because they are watching. Um, you know, yesterday the youth had a, they had a, a breakfast um, for pastor. I'm going to use you as examples since today's pastor's appreciation. Um, and when my husband came home, because he's part of the youth ministry, I was asking him, oh, how did it go? And he said, oh, the kids asked very, they asked amazing questions. They, they, they had a breakfast meeting with Pastor um, and, and Pastor Pimbo, and they were all allowed to ask um, a question of, of the pastors. And then afterwards, they were allowed to um, briefly say something that they appreciate about the pastors. And my husband will, you know, kind of give me tidbits about what different people said. And he said, oh, you know, even, um, I believe Joel and Ebun were there. And he said, Joel said um, that he's very, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he was very impressed um, and he's touched when he observes how his parents are sacrificial. That they go out of their way to help people. Um, you know, they go out of their way to love. And, I mean, that's in their home and that's their son speaking. If there's anywhere that our pastors can probably, you know, maybe exhibit bad behavior and potentially get away with it, it will be at home, right? But, but their children are observing. And maybe Joel wouldn't want to say anything negative, but he, he's not compelled to say anything positive, right? They're just going around and he could just say, I, I, I'll take a pass, they're my parents, or say something funny, whatever. But he, you know... It just shows us that they're watching. Um, you know, I remember Pastor Bimbo's um, 40th birthday, and the kids had to write uh, in the in the book, the booklet that we got. They wrote about their mom, and you could just reading it just brought smiles to my face because they are little kids, but 
you know, growing now, let me not call them little, but <laughs> they are observing their parents. And it's just a call for all of us as parents that our children are observing us. Parenting is a ministry. And I think if we see it as a ministry, maybe our attitudes would be different. Um, maybe our, um, maybe we will rely on God more for help and not try to do it on our own. Maybe we will seek God's direction more. Um, it's not an easy task by any means, but it's God's call. And if he calls you, he will provide what you need um, to do what he's called you to do. Uh, further down, it talks about slaves and masters, and um, it really asks for slaves to serve their masters as one who is serving God. And here, I think it just reminded me of what it means to be a, an employee. I know we don't want to use the word slave, but we, ha we have bosses, we have masters at work. Even if you're a business owner, you have a master because you're, you're, you're serving your clients. You answer to your clients because they're going to pay you. Um, and so even in the marketplace, we're called um, to live our lives for Christ. Are you doing your work with sincerity of heart? Are you doing your work as unto the Lord? Are you doing your work with reverence to God? Because believe it or not, even in, in the workplace, our coworkers are observing us, right? It's not just about not using curse words. They're observing if you're doing your work with integrity. They're observing if you're the one that joins them, you know, with uh, the, the office gossip. They, they are observing you. And if today was your last and we called your coworkers to come speak about you, even if, you don't, even if you don't mention Christ in the office, would they be able to say there was something about her that was different? There was something about her that made me curious, something about him that just made me curious about this person is different. There's something that they carry that is different. Can you say that confidently um, about what your coworkers would say of you or what you know, the clients that you serve would say of you or wherever you are serving, wherever you're working, um, uh, in the marketplace, will people be able to testify that your life points them towards Christ? Um, and like I said earlier, all of these virtues are all captured in love. Um, if we start from a place of love, relying on the Holy Spirit, we can truly live for God. In Colossians 3, verse 23, um, which is the verse um, I mentioned a few minutes ago, Whatever you do, whether you're a wife, your husband, your child, your parent, a friend, a neighbor, in the marketplace as an employee or business owner in ministry, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord you are serving. It's not your boss that is paying you that you're serving. It's not your client who's going to pay you that you're serving. Your children may not even be able to pay you back. Your spouse may not reciprocate the love that you're showing, but you know that you're doing it unto the Lord. It's the Lord that you're serving. It's the Lord that has called you to this ministry. Um, whatever office he has put you in, it's the Lord that has called you as a, as a spouse, as a child, as a, as a parent. Wherever you find yourself, it's God that has called you, and it's him that would reward you. Um, above all things, uh, you know, we want to please him. We want, to, we want him to look down and be proud of us. And, you know, we started off saying that Christ's love compels us. It's his love that compels us. We know just once we understand how much he loves us, living for him, it won't be a struggle. 
So we, I just want to encourage all of us today that, you know, take time. You, you think you know God's love. I think some of us have head knowledge of God's love. Some of us may have moved from head knowledge to a little bit more, but there's, there's still more. There's still more that we can know. So let's, let's take this word and go back and say, God, show me more of your love. I want to, it's not even about praying, I want to live for you. Because I think once we understand God's love, living for him just is a natural response. Um, and, you know, God's love is, when we think of God's love, I think, I think of the time when, um, a time when, when I, I was still, um, I guess my husband was asking me out that at the time I wasn't married yet, and I was giving him a I wasn't as responsive. I don't know if you call it cold shoulder, but then I wasn't as responsive. Um, and, <laughs> I, uh, and for, it was, it was going on for a while. Maybe I'd been talking for about a year at the time. And for a few weeks we were talking um, and he said, he was talking about how he was, you know, financially strapped and he didn't really have a lot of money. Um, he was, a, you know, being a student in, in Colorado State then. Um, and a few days into our conversation was my birthday. But then, you know, I, I, technically I wasn't girlfriend or fiancé, so I was like, whatever, I wasn't expecting anything. If he did something, it would be nice, but then again, he had me saying, oh, I'm, you know, I don't have money, blah, 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 so I wasn't really expecting. But that day at work, um, I got a surprise, and um, I got a surprise, and he had sent a gift, and... Uh, as I, I got that gift, it just reminded me, and as I was thinking through God's love again, it just reminded me that, you know, once I got the gift from him, I, my heart opened up, and I was like, oh, let me give him a chance, and let me get to know him more. <laughs> I was like, let me find out if there's something else here that may, that may be appealing. Um, but I think... <laughs> the reason why I say that is because I think once we understand God's love, you want to give God a chance. Once you know, once you once you experience God's love, once it's tangible to you, you would want to give Him a chance. You would want to know Him more. You want to discover more about Him. And so, I want our starting place to really be God. Show me more of Your love. Help me to understand more of Your love, so that I can be compelled to live for You. Um, and, and since it's Pastor's appreciation, I just want to thank. God for Pastor Gide and Pastor Bimbo, um, you truly demonstrate what it is to daily die to yourself and to live for Christ. Individually, you love God and you're constantly chasing after him, desiring and seeking to know him more. Your growth over the years is evident and I'm sure many, many Agapians can testify to that. As a couple, your, your marriage and your immediate family um, is your first ministry, and you've committed to loving one another unconditionally and raising godly children. You strive continually to shine the light of God by the way you live in your community, in this church, at your workplace, in the way you pastor and lead this church with humility, with integrity, and with skillful hands. And I just thank God for your life. I, um, we know that only the Lord can reward you. Uh, only the word can reward you. We can try to appreciate you in our own little way, but above all, we pray that, you know, 
Our Father in heaven, we reward you for your labor of love. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's just take a few minutes to pray. Um, Father, I thank you for this word. Thank you um, for everyone that has um, listened even this past few minutes. God, I pray that you will help us understand your love. I pray that you will take us to a deeper level, take us to the next level in understanding how much you love us, oh God. And that even in this, we will be compelled to live for you, that living for you will be a natural response, oh God. In Jesus' name, amen.